Welcome to Resource on the Go, a podcast from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center on understanding, responding to, and preventing sexual abuse and assault. I'm Louis Marvin, and I'm a training specialist at NSVRC. And on today's episode, we're discussing our new e-learning tool called Plain Language for Sexual Assault, Abuse, and Harassment. I'm here with two of my NSVRC colleagues, Laura Palumbo and Megan Thomas. Uh, Laura and Megan, would you introduce yourselves? Sure. So um, my name is Laura Palumbo, and I am NSVRC's communications director. Um, I've been on the NSVRC team for 10 years now, um, and uh, my role is really um, managing the awesome team of folks that work on our um, publications, our website, our social media pages, our annual Sexual Assault Awareness Month campaign, um, and then also working with um, journalists in their coverage of sexual violence um, and sexual violence prevention. And that whole effort of NSVRC um, kind of falls under what we call our messaging work. Um, and our messaging work is really what um, brought me to be involved in this online tool, as well as um, a lot of uh, other projects that we've done on how to more effectively communicate about preventing sexual violence. Thanks, Laura. Um, I'm excited to hear in a little bit some of the um, some of the work that you've been doing over your years at NSVRC on messaging. Um, welcome, Megan. Would you introduce yourself? Thanks. Yeah, I'm the communication specialist at NSVRC, and my job mostly involves reviewing, editing, developing, and designing the publications that we create, as well as posting on our social media platforms. So. That involves a lot of messaging, a lot of using plain language, whether that's reviewing things to make sure that they're accessible in the way they're written, um, writing social media posts that our general public audiences are going to connect with, and so much more. Great. Well, I uh, had a lot of fun developing this tool with both of you, and I've trained a little bit with both of you and some of our other colleagues on the topic of messaging, um, including plain language and other topics therein. And um, I'm excited to hear a little bit first about some of NSVRC's um, background. So Laura, you mentioned that you've been doing um, work on understanding effective messaging and effective communication about sexual assault um, for a long time. So uh, tell us about how you and NSVRC came to learn about plain language and effective communication about sexual violence. Mm -hmm. So um, even before I, I um, started my position at NSVRC, so over 10 years ago, um, there was a clear theme and need in our field that people, one of the most difficult challenges that um, many of our partners encountered was actually um, communicating about sexual harassment, assault and abuse in clear ways that their audience understood. And then not only talking about those topics with them, but to, um, to then navigate this really um, complex conversation on how we prevent these um, different forms of sexual violence. Um, and many of our, um, our uh, partners in the field just feeling like that this was 
that it was so hard um, to talk about this um, uh, this topic in ways that led to people having aha moments and understanding um, the uh, the role of prevention, especially when we think about um, primary prevention and not. Um, not just um, responding after uh, sexual assault has incurred. Um, and so that is what led NSCRC to embarking on um, a number of projects to kind of dig deeper at this question. So what is it that makes it so challenging to talk about these topics um, and, uh, and how can we talk about them more effectively? And to... Um, to get at some of those questions, we worked with the Berkeley Media Studies Group, um, which we fondly call internally as BMSG um, by their acronym, and their team um, supported us in five years of um, research and digging into how we communicate about sexual violence and its prevention to really understand um, what we could learn and what we could uh, improve and enhance. And some of what that looked like is we, um, uh, at the beginning of that five-year journey, um, did a, um, a research study on how sexual violence was covered in the news. Um, and in that news analysis, we're able to have a better understanding of what the general public is understanding about um, sexual violence and its prevention based on what they're reading in news coverage. Um, and the big, <laughs> uh, spoiler wording, the big, <laughs> big learning from that was that um, even when the news was covering the issues of uh, sexual harassment, of sexual assault and sexual abuse, very rarely was it actually being, um, was prevention being discussed and that there was this really significant gap in how um, uh, people, their understanding of, um, of, of sexual violence and um, uh, as something that could be prevented. And then um, we also did intensive listening sessions with folks actually that work in our field, that are experts in sexual violence prevention, that work on college campuses, that work at um, uh, community-based organizations or youth-serving organizations. And we studied how experts talk about preventing sexual violence to get a better understanding of how um, we, how a range of folks were talking about uh, prevention, because um, I think that that's something that many of us in the field can resonate, is that there's not any two of us that are talking about prevention in the same ways, um, and uh, to learn from, from that as well. Um, and then we got to do some message testing um, using different stories and storytellers to, um, to hear from audiences in the general public or um, people who have less of a connection, direct connection to our field, um, what, um, what stories, examples, and language helped them to understand um, that sexual harassment, abuse, and assault could be prevented um, and to see um, their role in the process. That's great. Thank you for that history, Laura. And I love that you talked about um, a lot of things, but including things that we've learned at NSBRC. And as someone who is a little bit newer to the work, I know that um, we just we have a lot of conversations about how we can use some of these lessons that we've learned through all the work that you described um, to improve our own our own messaging and our own communications. And so I think that I know when I've trained on this topic out um, in the field, that's something that we try to talk about a lot that uh, we're in this with you and we are constantly learning these lessons and 
and revising too. So I'm really glad you um, you mentioned that. Uh, Megan, I think that with all of the work that, that you are doing uh, in the communications department and um, and uh, the role that you've played um, developing some, some tools related to effective communication on sexual violence. Uh, maybe you could talk about some, some of those lessons that we've learned about plain language specifically. So um, why based on this research and all this background that Laura described, uh, why did we want to develop a tool dealing with plain language? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, one of the things that one of the big lessons that really came out of all the message testing research that we were doing was one of the big challenges that we were seeing in our field and probably in most fields is this use of jargon and seeing that the terms and phrases that we use every day that we're really familiar with, we tend to forget that anyone outside of our field isn't necessarily going to be on the same page as us and that we're missing out on reaching folks if they're not understanding what we're talking about. One of the, one of the huge examples that we came across was we use the term sexual violence all the time. It's, it's in the name of our organization. It is a key phrase that we've used for years and years. And when we were doing um, our message testing research that Laura mentioned with BMSG, we were finding that even that phrase that seems so foundational to what we are doing isn't always understood. So when we're talking about sexual violence in, in our field, we see that as a, as a continuum, as a sort of spectrum of behaviors that can range from sexual harassment to sexual abuse to, to rape. And, and that's generally understood in our field. But when we're talking with anyone who maybe isn't as involved in our field or just a general public audience, they weren't necessarily getting that we were talking about a continuum. To them, sexual violence sounded more like one specific violent act. And so we had to really think about how do we communicate this in a way that, that everyone can understand. And what we learned was if we actually describe this continuum, if we say sexual harassment, abuse, and assault, or if we describe, you know, sexual harassment and misconduct in the workplace or child sexual abuse, if we just name what it is specifically that we're talking about, that's going to reach more people. And that has been a, a thing that we're still learning, a thing that I still find myself, you know, catching myself on to make sure that I'm using the full phrase. Um, that's something that, that has changed the way that we do our work. So based on all of this, we started talking about how we can share what we've learned in an online tool. And we really felt that plain language is a really foundational skill in messaging. We knew that we learned so much through all of, all of our messaging research. But one of the things we really want to help people understand is this idea of plain language and reaching everyone in your audience. And we also found that it's a skill that everyone can use, everyone in your organization. Um, can use plain language to message more effectively. It's not just the people on the communications team or the spokesperson or the executive director. Everyone is messaging, whether they're training or whether they are writing resources, they're, they're all using these messaging skills. So we found that that was a really key place to start with plain language. That's great. Thanks, Megan. Yeah, and when you, when you talk about how um, everyone needs to know how to use plain language, I, I think just about even our outside of work lives when we're like telling our friends and family what we're doing at work and, and what it, 
what the purpose of of our work is. Um, I think that's a great place to apply these these skills in speaking um, and communicating in plain language. And so, um, yeah, thanks for describing the example of of the term sexual violence. And um, um, you know, that gets at the fact that we named the course Plain Language for Sexual Assault and Abuse and Harassment. And um, so let's talk about the, the tools specifically for a little bit. And I know something I was excited about in working on this tool was how users would have an opportunity to practice using plain language um, in their own voice and thinking about their own audience and their own um, goals in, in how, how and where they're communicating. So um, what can listeners expect from, from using this tool? Laura, would you describe maybe some of the, um, you know, the basics of the, of the tool? Sure. Um, so this, this tool will give you an opportunity to just um, learn a, um, a basic working definition of plain language and then how that relates to us in our, um, in our field using everyday language to talk about sexual harassment, assault, and abuse so that we can build better connections um, with audiences and anyone that we're trying to um, to speak with. And so um, in, in the course, we're talking about plain language, but also why, the why behind the need to use plain language um, and, uh, and what some of these sort of big challenges are um, for, for those that work in our field, what um, uh, some of our go-to jargon often looks and sounds like, and then um, uh, taking some uh, opportunity to um, to, uh, to practice putting um, the, the skills in place to use more plain language um, and uh, in, uh, communicate in ways that are simpler, but also more effective. One of the things this tool also does is acknowledges that communicating about sexual violence is challenging, it's hard, and we look at some reasons about why that is the case and, and how to, to make it a little easier to communicate. I'm reminded of an example when I first started noticing this disconnect and this difficulty in communicating about sexual violence. When I first started working at NSBRC, our Sexual Assault Awareness Month campaign slogan for the year was prevention is possible. And to us at NSBRC, we, we knew when we were talking about prevention, what we were specifically referring to was primary prevention. So stopping sexual harassment and assault before they have a chance to happen through social norms change and through consent education and healthy relationships. So we felt that that was a really positive, hopeful message of like, yes, we can prevent this before it happens. And then when we rolled that slogan out on social media and to our more general public audience, we quickly saw that not everyone was uh, working with the same definition of prevention that we were. And they weren't seeing it as primary prevention, they thought we were talking more about risk reduction or about um, stopping specific incidences happening. And so people were thinking that we were implying that they could have prevented their own sexual assaults, which was not at all what we meant. And so that was a huge wake-up call for me to realize that we were not working with the same definitions and that the plain language that explaining what we were talking about was much more valuable in that case of saying, this is actually what we mean. We mean stopping it before it has a chance to happen. And that required that we had to do some education and, and back up and think about what we were, the, the terms that we were using that maybe aren't as accessible to everyone. 
That's a really great example, Megan. Um, when you were talking, I was thinking about some of the plain language tips that we have in the course, and you touched on on several of them. One of being one of them being just using common everyday words, right? I think sometimes. Um, those of us in this field or any field, uh, we know stuff about our topic and that's, that's great. And um, we should be really um, proud about that and assertive about that. And we should talk about the things that we know. Um, but sometimes how that actually manifests is by using insider language and using um, words that make us sound as smart as we are. Um, and folks who are listening are smart too. They just aren't used to using um, some of these some of these insider terms and so if we actually tell people what we're talking about um they'll get it and um so i really like that example thank you for sharing it this was a really um fun tool to develop with you both and i know that we had a lot of fun ideas for things to put in here and um you know you can't you can't fit everything in a tool like this so um there's always a lot that you leave on the cutting room floor and there's maybe some stuff that people expect or want to be in there that isn't in there. So I know that when I've gone out to do training on this topic, something that people have asked for are things like a glossary or a dictionary or a list of quote unquote good things to say. Um, so why isn't that part of this course? Yeah, one of the things that we learned um, in, in the research is that there's not one magic phrase or term to use, that there's no one size fits all approach to talking about um, these topics. So it's really, it's, um, it's a range of topics and, a, and a, um, a range of messages that all need to be in a specific context to be effective. Um, and so I think what we, one of the hardest lessons learned um, was that it's not that it's not that simple and it's actually a lot more complex than <laughs> than we um had had thought to effectively communicate about um uh about um sexual violence and um and what prevention can look like and that um not only is there a range of terms that are going to serve a range of different goals um but really that it has to be audience centered and you have to have your own audience in mind so um each of us needs to be thinking about um uh, an, an audience and i think oftentimes one of the things that's most challenging is that we're thinking of a wide range of people when we think of our audience. So people who all have different levels of um, learning and understanding on this topic or familiarity with it. And so actually setting a baseline for yourself of how do I talk about these issues in the way that the person who in my audience knows the least will, um, will be able to understand and benefit from. And, um, and from that, that, um, that being like uh, really an opportunity to shift our mentality about how we <laughs> um, talk about um, uh, our, our work and not just thinking about what, um, uh, what we know, but what, um, what our audience needs to know and, um, and how we can um, help use language to, um, to build pathways towards them understanding. Yeah, thanks, Laura. I, it makes me think of when I was um, when I was kind of new to this field and, and just sort of starting to to work in the field, and um, I just have that memory of hearing some of those catchphrases and um, those talking points that people around me knew what they were talking about, but I didn't really know fully what they were talking about. Um, and so that just reminds me that um, you know from 
developing this tool and working on this topic, I've been um, reminded over and over that plain language is about access and it's about building those on-ramps that you're talking about. Um, and so when we use plain language and when we consider our audiences and when we do things to, um, to communicate plainly to, to those audiences, we are doing accessibility work, really. Um, we're making sure that we're not this um, kind of exclusive set apart field that's that has no relevance um, to the broader public and, um, and so that people can really engage with the topics in ways that certainly we hope that they do so we can um, prevent sexual abuse from happening. Um, so I wonder if you both have um, have lessons learned from from doing this work and from developing this tool. Um, Megan, do you have any lessons learned that you're able to share? Yeah, and it's a lesson that I'm still learning and still reminding myself of. This idea that when we're using plain language, it's really helpful to describe rather than label what we're talking about. So like I said earlier, instead of using the label of sexual violence, use describing that continuum more of sexual harassment, abuse, and assault. And what I've found is that usually takes more words. And it's been so drilled into me through all my years at school and in my, in my work life of like conciseness is important. You have to use as few words as possible. And so it really is a huge mind shift of reminding myself, no, actually, it's okay to use more words sometimes because that's going to make it more accessible and more easy to understand. But it is, it is still a thing that I have to constantly remind myself of. Nice. Thanks, Megan. I know. Um... Same thing for me, being an English major in college and learning that lesson that you want to eliminate words and you want to be really concise. And those are good things to know, but um, not necessarily um, if you want people to um, know things that don't rely on jargon inside language. That's awesome. Um, Laura, what about you? Yeah, so I think I did learn a lot as well, Louis, about accessibility. And one of... Um, one of the, the takeaways from the messaging um, that really um, that really emphasized that for me is that when we were actually testing some of these messages with folks in the general public who are across different demographics in terms of their age or their political background or their level of education, race, um, gender, that um, for for um, the majority of folks, when we used um, when we used insider terminology and our jargon, um, it made them feel like outsiders, regardless of what those affiliations um, or uh, identities look like. And so um, that was this big wake up call because I think that the, um, that a lot of times the way we've tried to, um, uh, to communicate around, um, uh, around sexual violence in uh, general as a field, as it's shift to being more um, really uh, being more professionalized and, um, and, uh, and academic, um, that there has been this simultaneous shift to it actually being exclusionary and that, um, and here I am using a word like exclusionary, right? Like <laughs> that's not very plain language. Um, using, so um, uh, like when, when I say exclusionary, meaning that we, um, that we are not creating seats at the table with the word that we're using, that we're sending a signal that you don't belong here. Um, you don't belong at this table. And so that is something um, that I think it was a really powerful lesson. Um, and I guess I would use 
that lesson to segue into another lesson. So just as you saw me catch myself in, <laughs> um, in falling into um, use of, of more complex and complicated terminology, um, that's something that is... Um, is definitely an, an, uh, an area of um, ongoing work for me, myself, as well as like for other members of our team at NSVRC. But I think in particular, like you would, it might, it might be easy to assume that as someone who um, has for um, for years studied um, not only our in terms of our organization's work, but in, in general, like my um, academic background has been in communications um, that that I would um, and being so involved in, in this project specifically that I would probably um, represent to folks what it um a good example of what it looks like to, to put these goals into practice. And that is absolutely not the case. Like I need this just as much as, um, and probably more because of how embedded I am in an organization, a national organization that focuses on, um, uh, focuses on research that uses a public health framework. Like all of those layers mean that I need this even more because of my role and because of my background. And that the more you know means that you probably have a lot more to unlearn in terms of <laughs> how you communicate um, and communicating more effectively. And I guess like I um, would just want to share that for people who, um, you know, have, have felt that, um, felt that frustration because I know that frustration of I didn't say that quite like um, I meant to or I can tell that what I wanted to resonate with this person or with this audience isn't really coming through they're not really getting what I'm saying um, and it's not it's not them <laughs> so I guess like I would just put that out there too as um, the lesson learned of awareness about communication and awareness about use of plain language and the language that we um, use is an, um, is ongoing and, um, and kind of, uh, in, in an ongoing opportunity for us to improve. And the piece of that, and here I am getting a little, um, <laughs> a little geeky about that is one of the things that's very interesting about us, like, um, um, shifting to that point of view about how we communicate individually is um, it's also representative of the context that we're communicating in, right? Because context and audience are never static either. Like they're not always the same <laughs> in terms of their level of information or the, the, um, uh, the, the amount of um, background or um, uh, context that they have for the work that we're doing. So in having worked at an organization um, for this period of time, I've really seen that, you know, a lot more people in the general public um, understand what the term rape culture means when we use it than, than, who use, than when we used it 10 years ago. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is the most effective or plain term to be using. So just kind of like that, that this is ever evolving in terms of our own journey, but our audience's journey and the context that we're messaging in um, and that all of that can be served by having more awareness um, and um, being, being intentional. That's great. Thanks so much, Laura. Um, I love that you're underscoring that there's something in here for everyone. Um, definitely, if it's your first time thinking about uh, plain language, um, it's a great tool. It's also a great tool like you're saying, Laura, for those uh, people who have been in the field for a long time and maybe have developed some communication habits around public health or grant language. Um, 
So again, the, the, the tool is called Plain Language for Sexual Assault, Abuse, and Harassment. It's available on NSVRC's campus, which you can find at campus.nsvrc.org. And um, Laura, would you review where, um, where else people can go beyond the tool to learn more about the topic of Plain Language? Sure thing. So um, like we've we've been talking about today, we developed this tool specifically on plain language. Um, but uh, one of the cool things about our um, our messaging work and the research that we did with the Berkeley Media Studies group is it was able to inform um, a lot of different pieces that we were able to offer folks around how to effectively communicate around um, uh, prevention. So what um, we also created in that process was a guide um, called Moving Toward Prevention, a guide for reframing sexual violence. And that is um, a, a publication that talks about recommendations for how to frame sexual violence, develop effective messages about prevention, and work with the media to inform um, and educate the public. So it's like if you, um, in, that, uh, in that guide, we talk about the importance of plain language, but aren't able to go into this level of detail about um, uh, how we, um, how we um, practice using plain language as a skill. Um, and the guide gives you a really good um, comprehensive overview of what we learned from um, our, our research with BMSG, as well as um, what are some takeaways from that overall for your work in addition to plain language. Um, and our partners at the organization Reliance also um, uh, supported the research that Berkeley Media Studies Group did and released a guide as well. And their guide is called Where We Are and Where We're Going, Making the Case for Preventing Sexual Violence. Um, and that provides recommendations on making the case for prevention with general public audiences um, in a range of ways that um, is uh, is also very helpful. And so, um, you know, both guides have a lot of value to offer people who are trying to um, make this uh uh, ongoing shift toward uh, talking about um, talking about these topics more effectively and reaching more audiences. Uh, one of the other things that NSVRC created um, that is also a very um, cool tool is we were we were thinking a lot about how we could use our lessons learned from um, the research on messaging and our work with Berkeley Media Studies Group specifically in helping folks talk to members of the media, to journalists um, and reporters. And so we created a media relations toolkit that gives some um, simple, easy to use tools on how to prepare for an interview or write a press release um, and uh, plan media relations all in ways that was informed by that research as well. And all of that is accessible on our website. Thanks, Laura. Um, so yeah, definitely go check out those tools. Check out the um, the e-learning tool, Plain Language for Sexual Assault, Abuse and Harassment. Um, and this has been a great discussion. It was really fun um, kind of getting a chance to debrief working on this tool with you both. You know, we had a lot of fun developing it. So thank you to Laura Palumbo. Thank you, Megan Thomas. I'm Louie Marvin. We are from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Thanks for listening to this episode of Resource on the Go. For more resources and information about preventing sexual assault, visit our website at www.nsvrc.org. You can also get in touch with us by emailing resources at nsvrc.org.